Hey there, welcome back to another episode of MVP Business, where we showcase leaders who live through their mission, vision, and passion. I'm your host, Steph Silver, owner of Vine Collective, a marketing, branding, and coaching agency that helps organizations and individuals to clarify their vision and sell more effectively. This episode is part of a local series focused on Wimberley Valley organizations in partnership with Wimberley Valley Radio and brought to you by Ozona Bank. Today's guests are Kent and Karen Killow, owners of Vista Brewing, a destination brewery in Driftwood, Texas. Thank you guys so much for joining me today. Thank you for having us. Happy to be here. As you guys know, I've been hounding you for (laughs) a couple of years. I'm a fangirl of Vista Brewing since before you even put up your signs that you were going to break ground. (laughs) So I'm (laughs) so looking forward to hearing more of the depths of how you got this started and the journey that you've been on. The journey has been one that nobody could have predicted when you started But here you are, you're still standing and not just standing, but running. So (laughs) in a lot of different directions. (laughs) Always. And Steph, I remember meeting you in the Driftwood Post Office when you were starting Vine. That's right. Come full circle here. Exactly. We both met each other when we were getting started. So that's fun. So we'll talk another time about me getting started. (laughs) (laughs) Right now, we'll go ahead and dig into, tell us a little bit about who you are, what your lives were before Vista. Do you even remember? Before Vista. (laughs) Can Um, I remember that far back? So I, fourth generation Texan, grew up on Lake Travis, went to Texas undergrad, studied business, went into finance, was in banking. Karen says I was at the beginning of the financial crisis in 2008 and a whole nother story, but mm-hmm. it gave me the, you know, writing on the wall that left to get my master's and we moved to England and studied at Oxford to get my master's and MBA and then went into private equity, worked in M&A for another eight years. Of course, Karen and I met, she moved I moved here to Texas, to Austin about 20 years ago after college. So I went to North Carolina State University. I have an engineering degree, which is nothing having to do with what I do now. Sure it is. Um, But I moved moved here (laughs) in my 20s after college, exploring Austin, having fun. And I met Kent through a mutual friend. And so we've been together for almost 20 years Um, now. Time flies when you're having fun. But I moved here to work at Dell. So I was recruited to come work as a computer engineer at Dell. I was there for six or seven years. So I was doing computer engineering and I slowly moved more towards marketing, which is what I do now. So Mm -hmm. I moved into the product marketing team, then into event marketing. So kind of further and further away from the pure tech and more into marketing. So that kind of that's a whole nother conversation. We might have to have you on another time to like that's a big journey. Yeah. Yeah. We have definitely changed career paths with Vista. Well, and so I was lucky enough moving to Europe to have Karen, not only as my moral support, but she was out paying the bills basically (laughs) while I was studying. But I think it was an awesome story that she was on a flight in going from one city to the next for Dell, sitting next to the CEO of a boutique spirits company that relationship turned into her being their global marketing manager. And I never talk to people on airplanes. Like I just kind of read my book. You have my earphones in and I met my future boss. He was a Polish count and he had this vodka company 
and he wanted to buy some computers. And so we had this conversation and I ended up working for him in this very, very global, very, very small company, five people, global company. Wow. And so what a synchronistic encounter there. It's life-changing, unpredictable moment. So that was a huge shift from huge company Dell to tiny company and a more consumer-facing product. I was working in the business side of Dell. What made you decide to change, to switch? It was more interesting to me. We love food and beverage, obviously, Mm -hmm. but that just was something more creative. I could learn a lot. And it was just really interesting company. And so that idea of like starting to make this shift into things that really interest you inside, we're intellectually curious people, right? About just anything, you know, these cameras around us right now are really interesting, but from a personal passion perspective, like starting to, that was like where you started to see the shift, like Karen made it first. While we lived in England, we fell in love with this concept that maybe it's general, we call it the British country pub, but it's this fine food and drink in the midst of this agrarian, beautiful setting, not in the city, out in this beautiful destination that you would travel to with friends or family, spend the day, and it's just kind of everything slows down kind of experience. And while we were living in Oxford, while Kent was in school, the perch and the trout are the two pubs yes. that were our biggest inspiration. I'd, I'd, look them up. I'd say write that down. You put that on your bucket You could list. walk from the city amazing. center of Oxford, yeah. walk up the river. There's wild horses running through the fields and it's just mm. so picturesque. But you take a walk and it's a day trip that you're walking to these two pubs and they're just beautiful places, great food, and you can just relax. And so in that, we were, gosh, we want to do this. Like, mm. I just love this. But we had this... Get my master's, this new awesome corporate career. Like, I mean, that was 2009. Like, okay, we're going to, that was a long this, in time. In the future, ago. when the sun starts setting, then we're going to be able to just roll into this and kind of. So you, you know, thought of just, it as maybe a retirement uh, or like yeah, somewhere way yeah, in the Further future. down the road. Shift down the road. Yeah. So, yeah, then when we work in London and then we traveled a bunch and like everywhere we went, we're just drawn to this concept. And whether it's, you're in the Alps or in the jungle in Thailand. A winery or in New be- Zealand. Yeah, or on the beach in Australia. Like all of these places have that same beautiful place, fine food and drink. You go there to just integrate with all of that. And I mean, it's not thatched roof and peat fire, but it's the same The idea. feeling was the yeah. same when you're there. So it just kind of stoked that desire in us more and more. So roll forward to 2014, we moved back to Austin in that period of time. So from 2008 to 2014, 2015, Austin explode, right? There were six new high rises downtown. Only six. At the time. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It grown to 25, 26 million tourists a year visiting Austin. Population had grown by 20% in that. Like, but beyond that, the Texas Wine Road, the Central Texas Viticultural Area had really come into it, its own like right. really fast. Yeah. And so there were was become the one of the most visited wine regions in the world. In 2016 there were 2 million people that visited the wineries between Austin, Wimberley and and Fredericksburg. At 2 million people that's just staggering. And so 
at that time, our first son, Caden, was, was almost boy. one when we moved back to Austin. And I was traveling to either New York or San Francisco or Chicago every week, gone from Monday at 5 a.m. to Friday at whatever. And we saw that what it was happening to Austin when we moved back. What could we do where we use both of our skills and experiences that we've built in our corporate careers to work together and me not be gone all the time so that we can do it with our family and wrap in that idea, what you hit on with Karen made that transition to Patochki, that we're starting to do something that is more personally rewarding, more personally fulfilling in addition to you know, just our intellectual curiosity. And I guess the fun story is that it was my brother's birthday. We were driving to New Orleans and got stuck in this crazy rainstorm. So I don't know how many people have the, driven to New Orleans, but it's like an eight-hour drive. was like 12 hours. 12 oh. hours. And so we're on I-10 and Karen just got out a notebook on the dashboard and Vista was born, really. On that car ride. Yeah. And not to say it was written on the back of a napkin, but- that's where it started. And some of the frameworks that we drew out in that conversation are brand pillars, the strategy frameworks, things that I was using in our job. But we have them now, mm -hmm. like they're on the wall in the office at home. They're in decks that I use, strategy decks that I use to talk to our team about the direction the company's going. And a lot of the fun <clears throat> event and marketing ideas happened. Some of them didn't, but a lot of the things we came up with on that drive really came to fruition. So yeah, we made our British country pub <laughs> in a really- uh, And what year was that? You said- So we started- 2014 uh, or 15? 15. That was January of 2015. Then we started looking for land. Like We really got defined on what we were doing, where we wanted it to happen, like what that remit was, wrote the business plan, building our whole stakeholder group to make that come out of the ground. While I was it took pregnant, us about a year. Yeah, she was we were pregnant. looking for land while I was pregnant with our twins. <laughs> I really remember pregnant this. Twins, yeah. <laughs> Hiking around properties, like yeah. really pregnant, uh, negotiating on a property that we did not get January oh of 2016, the month before they were born. Yeah. So there was another property that was almost Vista, a uh, big equestrian facility, like all oh. this other infrastructure, big property, but beautiful infrastructure. Vista would have been. A little different. A little different. Yeah. Like they wouldn't have had as much of our like personal design in it because a lot of the structure. Anyway, beside the point, I recall vividly because, you know, Karen, we were having twins and it was going to be a scheduled birth, you have a C-section, right? For, and we're like really going at it with these guys, like, because we really wanted it and is a definitely a seller's market at that time. And I was like, okay, pause. I'm like, oh, and that. I'm like, we're on the radio. I've got my we're hands gonna up go here. Have two babies. <laughs> Let's I'm just on the pause. phone. Like, okay, guys, pause. We're gonna go have some babies. <laughs> we'll pick back up in three days. Okay. And so but hang up the phone, you know, everything, you know, the next morning literally go and come back up literally three days later. And somebody had come and bought that land with cash during those three days. And yeah, we were just personally devastated. It's like, how could you do this to us? You know, we, yeah. we had a deal. And but it like, was no, it was it worked out the way it was supposed to. Absolutely. We found the yeah. land we were supposed to have. How long no. did it take 
So I know my personality, like, well, maybe this isn't supposed to happen. Are we on the wrong path? Or did you say like, nope, we're, we'll find another place? I think it was, it wasn't supposed to happen there. Mm. Like it, that mm -hmm. was not the, cause it's, I mean, in a personal scheme of things, that's a non-trivial investment like thing to do. Maybe in the larger scheme of all of the businesses that you talk to, it's not, but it's a big deal. So there's all kinds of emotion and anxiety that is a quote unquote mature executive, you know, you try to keep those things at bay, right? You use your rational brain, but that anxiety is tied into that big transaction. And then you go, okay, wait, Paul, that's done. And it just wasn't right for that place. That wasn't the right place. And then when we moved from that and the property that we found, it wasn't our market. It was proactive approach to the landowners to carve it out of where it was. And then that that was a long road because it wasn't just they want to get the value that they expect out of their land. It was, what are you going to do with our land? They were interviewing mm -hmm. us over- Texas ranchers caring for the, right, the right. care of their yeah. land. Yeah. I mean, down to like, well, what color is the roof going to be? And not even, I'm just saying the level of detail mm -hmm. and, and the spirit of what we were doing. And that really set the stage for us becoming a part of Driftwood. A part uh, of that community. Yeah. It's not like we had to retrofit our thoughts and like what we were doing in order to make it work for those conversations. It's like that all fit, like our belief in creating a beautiful space that integrated into the natural surroundings that celebrated the beauty of the Texas Hill Country, that connected with local agriculture. All of those things were what we wanted to do no matter what. And then if we're going to sell our land, that's what we want it to be. And then that naturally rolled into our involvement with Historical Conservation Society of, hey, this is who we are. And then that became, well, gosh, we don't want anything to change about Driftwood, right? Driftwood is this beautiful agrarian little bubble. We now connect the trout in Oxford. You know, mm -hmm. We've got our trout in Oxford and Driftwood, but it's going to change, right? Because Austin, so Williamson, Travis, Hayes, Kamau counties, the fastest growing counties in the United States. This is just massive river of population growth that's happening from I-35 north to south and south to north and then out 290 and 281. And this just like this little rock in that river. So it's going to change, but like how do we sculpt that? And so we just kind of stepped into that conversation with what we already were and it just clicked. And that relationship has just continued to develop over the last five years, five plus years, mm. uh, we're now hosting their second annual heritage festival, Driftwood mm. Heritage Festival. That's so wonderful. Being really a part of that community and helping them showcase what Driftwood was, is going to be. I'd say we are, show, like we, it's not we like Vistas, we are Driftwood. Yeah, like, we, I, I, Driftwood I, yeah it's not just synergy. It's like literally we're now a part of the, like what we want and like our vision for what Vista is and will be is like the next generation of this agri-hood that is driftwood, that is whatever, the Napa Valley of Central Texas. And for those who aren't from around this area or even are in Austin and don't know driftwood very well, I want to kind of step back and paint the picture of driftwood that it is an unincorporated town. So there's no city it governments. It is a, and I've got my air quotes Correct, up again, yeah. area of influence. Area of influence. Yeah. The city includes a post office and a church mm -hmm. and a cemetery. Downtown. 
That's one our stop entire sign. downtown. One, we now have a blinking light. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, but yes. I know. It slows Actually, that down. was extremely helpful to get that blinking it, light. It is. It is. It actually does finally slow people uh, down because it's a 45 mile an hour uh, speed limit that everybody would zoom through at 65. Uh, and so the decisions are still made by the ranchers and the community. And they do want to keep it as agrarian and beautiful. And you know, you drive down that two lane, no shoulder road. Yeah. And which is um, a scenic highway, a scenic a highway, scenic historic highway. highway, William Barrett, Travis heritage parkway hmm. and see live oaks and cypress trees and not billboard you know, tracked homes or, and yeah. billboards. So we're surrounded on all sides by like, well, not on, the North is Austin, South is San Antonio, and they're both encroaching our way mm -hmm. very quickly. So the influence of these ranchers to, they're being pressured from all sides to sell for millions and billions of dollars, these huge heritage ranches to subdivisions and other developers. And they are really shaping what, this is like, it truly is still the Wild West out here shaping what this whole community is becoming. Mm -hmm. and so you guys are now part of what that communication and that dialogue is. Well, we would like to be. I think we've been very fortunate to be included in that conversation, in that story, just in the short period of time in these five years, the rooms we've been in to talk about our approach to land development, to bring in the network that we've developed from the city, county, the water conservation districts to shape other development trajectories has been, I mean, when we started, I would not have dreamed that would have been, you know, that's like the kind of thing that happens after you've been doing it for 20 years and people come and like, we just got really lucky to right place. All of this inflection and change is happening right now. You've got all of those influences that you captured really eloquently that we're just at that flashpoint that we have the vision and the patience to do these things and then can just step in and have those conversations. And it's become extraordinarily rewarding part of this journey that we're getting that that like we're able to help our community conserve what's happening in Driftwood. And it all started with the idea of we want to help people enjoy a beautiful space around fine food and drink. And that's what people come to buy. If you're going to spend your money and your time, that's what you're actually thinking you're doing when you're coming to Vista. And that, and that is, but the subtext there is that they're connected to this story of conservation and community. And nature. Very we, much nature. We did our best to preserve what was yeah. there. So my next question or suggestion is to, if you could paint the picture, like how many acres and what does Vista Brewing look and feel like and how does it match up to some of your early thoughts and visions for what it was going to be i'd start by saying we're both very proud that where we are now and what exists is really really close to what was on that napkin and that rainstorm on the way to new orleans but we have 21 acres we built almost 10,000 square feet of buildings it's a historic piece of property it was part of William Barrett Travis's original land grant for those people that didn't take Texas history growing up. William Barrett Travis is kind of like the Thomas Jefferson of Texas, maybe a speckled past leading up to the, his moment of greatness, but his moment of greatness was when heroically killed and defending the Alamo. 
But anyways, there's a historical marker on our property for that. There were 657 large oak and elms on the property, on those 21 acres when we bought it. And large, I mean, greater than an eight inch diameter trunk. And I know what they are, where they are, how big they are, and where that trunk hits the ground. And we did all of that work so that we could design all of that building footprints and our fire lanes and water treatment facility and all of those things into that layout or as best we could. And so now of the 657 trees, 641 of them are still standing. And of those that came down, the vast majority of that wood was reincorporated back into the project. So the bar, our serving trays, benches are all pieces of what had to come down. And Karen is the create, like anything beautiful that you see there that God that's didn't not create, right? That's not like <laughs> biological, has Karen's eyes. Kent's our landscape <laughs> architect. No? Quote unquote. But like our idea coming into it was like, oh, it's this historic property and it's old Texas. And We're going we to build an old looking barn type structure. Yeah. We, we wanted it to be there. you know? And you like, know, that's not it. You're like confused. What? So, <laughs> yeah. So we started down that path. We're like if we try to make it look old, it will just not look right. It's not actually old. And so we went all the way the other direction. And we worked with an amazing architecture firm out of Austin, OPA Design Studio. Steve Oliver, their principal, has become a really good friend of ours. And he does a lot of brewery, distillery work. So he knew the factory side, but has an amazing eye for helping us to create this modern looking structure. And the premise was, let the trees and nature, the sky be our art. So huge windows, pretty neutral palette, but it's open, airy. I call it modern ranch. I don't know if that's a real architecture or design term, but you that's heard what it we here first. It. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, coin that. So it's clean lines, a lot of wood and steel and glass, and so it's modern, but it fits in the space. And that idea, that contrast, I think has start carried through our brand because there's a brand promise that is all these things of ethos and quality and all of that, but the like look and feel of when you think and feel Vista, like that idea now has carried through the, the contrast of modern ranch, right? It's mm -hmm. this beautiful agrarian setting with these modern purpose designed facilities that are just tucked into that with the same way that it is a really elegant setting, but is somewhat rustic. It, so like when you drive is, in, our road is not paved. You drive in, you're like, oh, I'm going to this ranch brewery. But you kind of peek through the trees and there are these modern buildings yeah, that, after you walk through the stone wall from the 1890s. So it's this old and new together. And it's a very elevated space. But one of our brand pillars is approachable premium and that it is accessible. And on a Thursday to come and get a burger and a pint for $15 is, I mean, that's not like bargain basement cheap, but for most families, that's something that they can do. But at the same, and so they come in and are able to experience that. But then on another night, we'll host, we've hosted Outstanding in the Field, where it's $250 a plate. And we lots a, of large corporate groups coming in doing team building events and our catering menus are amazing. So we're getting these events that are huge and then the family coming on the weekend to just enjoy themselves. And you also have Outside the City Limits uh, yes. Festival once a year. We do a lot of live music. Yeah. So being in Austin, the live music capital of the world. I feel like we have access to so many awesome musicians here. Oh. So we have weekly music. We do larger festivals and concerts throughout the year. 
but the one in the fall outside the city limits is going to be in its sixth year mm-hmm. this year. So it's really a it's, fun day. Yeah, it's two sound stages, seven or eight artists, but only a thousand tickets sold. I don't know to any individual person like a thousand. That sounds like a lot, but when you're talking the hundreds of thousands that go to ACL and all the concerts at South by. It is boutique, but purposefully so. The whole idea is that you're able to connect with all this stuff in a really powerful way. Like our, like that is, I think, and maybe this is a tangent that we may or may not want to explore, but part of our marketing strategy is about doing strategic events like that. OCL, as we call it, outside the city limits, is definitely a business venture. Like we have to make a return like on a big day like that. But the idea behind it really was that we amplify all of these things that are a part of what we do and are able to just scream about it. Get It's on the radio. We were talking about it on all channels. Posters are up everywhere. And whether or not people come, they get the sense of what's happening at Vista and Driftwood, that it is music, but there's fine farm table food. There's your great craft beer and um, Texas wine. It is a beautiful hill country space. It is this boutique thing. And so we get to really go out and talk about that on the platform of Outside the City Limits, which even in and of itself, I think is a fun, like, this is literally what you're doing when you're going to come and hang out at Vista. You're getting Outside the City Limits, which actually brings another zag in that tangent is the idea of distance in that we talk about it being in the country amidst these generational ranches 641 large oak and elms or this expansive property, but we're 25 minutes from downtown Austin, an hour, maybe 45 minutes from wherever you are in San Antonio. And all the suburbs of Austin that are moving down I-35. Yeah. There's three stoplights between Vista and Lady Bird Lake. It is just shocking. If you see the hills in our logo, like that was a design that Karen and we got to like over a whole huge journey. But that Mm -hmm. hills is that that last hill that you come over on FM 150 and it's more symbolic that that's the point at which you kind of go. When you exhale. And like you kind of let go of the hustle and bustle and maybe you can set down that screen and you forget about the deadline or whatever. But it's also like, I don't know, there's. 20 minutes from wherever you were. And I don't know, I get caught up because I think Austinites are a little spoiled. Yeah, it's like, well, oh, they it's are. We have, we have, yeah, you, they, you have Town Lake. And one of the reasons that I moved to Ladybird Lake, Town Lake, Lake Austin. Um, <laughs> I still I, catch myself saying, I, I, like, I, town, I, town, I, I mean, Ladybird Lake. Lake every time. <laughs> yeah. So you know how long you've been here by what you call it. Yeah, but right. One of the reasons I moved to this area was because of that space, because I went kayaking with a friend. I came for the weekend, I went kayaking for the, and realized that within two minutes, I was outside. Mm -hmm. And I took that breath of fresh air Mm -hmm. and my shoulders relaxed. And I was in college, so I didn't need to relax as much then (laughs) as I do now. But it's the same concept. And that's why we're growing so quickly is, you know, we're out here in the hill country and Austin is gorgeous, but it's a completely different feeling when you're amongst the skyscrapers than when you take that 20, 30 minute drive to Mm -hmm. get out. So one of the things that I find so wonderful, and I I didn't really realize this, I had never been to a brewery until, I think y'all's was the first brewery that I'd ever actually been to. Wow, we're so, (laughs) that's awesome. (laughs) I've told you guys before the story of my obsession with your brand and your business, and it's just really funny, but 
I went to the brewery and thought it was absolutely incredible the experience that you have because it's not just about like oh going and tasting this amazing beer. Well, that's what I always say. We don't sell beer. You sell. Yeah, we you, sell beer. I think that's experience. the first time we've said beer. No, <laughs> it's, that's true. We sell the experience of being yeah. there yeah. and the music and the food and everything together. The fresh yeah. air. So if you have a family, packing up a family is a big deal, especially if you have younger, young, young oh, kids. Yeah. You know, you're like, oh, you got to get this and this and this. <laughs> snacks and all the things. But once you get out there, it's not just going to have a couple of beers with your friends or your spouse or your partner. If you bring the whole family with Vista, there is a playground and it's like strategically designed to not be fully thought away. out for the kids yeah. either. The kids have to you know, have an imagination. Yeah. And the fun thing about it is that yes, kids play on the playground, but they're running around in the woods and they're playing with sticks and rocks and balls and doing the things that kids are supposed to do. Oh, our kids yeah. have several different little forts around that are there. Oh, yeah. Well, and that's the other thing. Places. Like the kids will come and play and like create a little teepee or something and then they'll have to leave. So the next kids that come, they're like, oh, what is this? And then the imagination continues. So I get, we'll give a tour to the group of parents to you know, a brewery tour or a property tour or whatever. And then our kids will give their kids a tour of the Forts. Forts. Yeah. <laughs> that is so that kind of fun. organically happens. <laughs> That's awesome. So has Vista lived up so far to the vision and the mission and the passion that you wrote down in that notebook on your way to New Orleans? The only thing missing from the notebook that we had in there is a place to stay, lodging. Yes. It's in the plan. COVID delayed that plan a little bit, but having a place to stay would really complete the picture that we came up with six, seven years ago. Yeah. I think our, our original on the top of that page was BBB, yeah. beer, bed, and breakfast. Yeah. yeah. We have the farm. I have my beehives, amazing but, uh, food. But no, beer. I think the directly, we just have to remind ourselves daily for all of the entrepreneurs out there, you get it that it's a struggle. You get caught up you in know, the day to day. He's like, oh, you own a brewery. Oh, wow. And yeah, there's all of that. You're not just drinking beer all day. Yeah. <laughs> he sets aside with- one day a week for that. Just one. <laughs> Just one. But we have to remind ourselves that, dang, we've done a lot in this period of time. And it's really, and it's not hindsight and rationalization. I think legitimately we are like hitting the mark of what we set out to do. And it's not just the pretty picture that we've painted. It's the subtext behind that. It's all of those things that we talk about with Driftwood, with the level of execution that's happening in the products that we put out. You and know, with having food, a great team of people, you know, that's the people that what we makes work with. the business. And we've hired now such a great team that they're really gelling in the post-COVID era. We have great leaders and a great team that's... I would put out there that that is symptomatic of us hitting the mark. We're so lucky to have the leadership team that we do and the, the team working that we do that they truly experts in the field, truly passionate about what they're doing that make it. When you come over now, we had a pairing dinner just this week and I'm sitting there just blown away and I catch myself because, you know, this is our customers are sitting around us and I'm like, just gushing in my mind. I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. <laughs> but it's because of our culinary team, our chefs and cooks and our general manager, our brewmaster. Good night. Our beer is Best beer I've ever had in my life. And it's not, (laughs) of course, I'd say that, but Mm -hmm. I really believe it. And 
So your question was, are we there? And I'd say, yeah, I believe we are. And evidence of that is the quality of people that have come to be a part of that team. Who want to work with that you. That want to do it because it's not easy for them either. They, everybody's going to work hard. Yeah. And everybody has to drive. <laughs> you guys are fairly close. So I think if you did a like pie chart of where, where everybody lives on our team, yeah. probably the biggest number of them maybe live in San Marcos. Then Dripping Springs, then South South Austin. Austin. Mm -hmm. Um, But everybody's less than 30 minutes. You're definitely not rolling out of bed, getting on your bike and hopping over to the office. Yeah. When I moved to Driftwood, I realized that everything is 20 minutes away. Mm -hmm. Everything. Except Hayes City Store. Or the post office. There won't be. (laughs) And the post office. But now, within the next six months, there will be two HEBs between our house. And yeah. <laughs> Which is the sentiment to how quickly yeah, it's God. growing, right? Yeah. yeah. Just... And, and both being built in the last three years. If you, you ever know. need to know where a population is going, just look where HEB bought land 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they know. They know. Yeah. So what has been the biggest struggle? And I have two separate questions I want to make sure you answer. How do you keep yourself true to that mission, vision, and passion? And then also, what has been the greatest struggle in doing that or keeping things going, period? Mm. Well, I'll start on the how we get on the mission, Take vision, the and easy values. One? Okay. <laughs> I think a lot of people say that was hard, but <laughs> I think for us, it is easier. And I'd say that it is definitely a momentum thing. Like once this snowball gets to a critical mass of that, this is the vision, this is what's going to happen. And so it's the land, the development, how it's designed, connected into the community in the way that it is, the people that are coming, like see that, like once you get that moving, it's easier to keep that momentum, that inertia around vision. And it is a struggle to say that everybody has a different perspective or of what, I'm using my air quotes again, what brewery is going to be. You're going to a concert and what that experience is going to be. And hopefully for the folks that hear this podcast, they're going to have it like, oh, we're going to go and experience this because we are expecting this beautiful place that has this heart that is connected to its community and is super high quality stuff. The vast majority of people are coming over, just they're going to see a brewery on their list. And then they're like, oh, well, I'm just used to having pizza and beer in this industrial space. And we love that. Obviously, that's a part of who we are. Karen's on the board of the Texas Craft Brewers Guild. Like We're highly integrated and love that, but that's not Vista. And so there are moments where we catch ourselves and like, okay, what does it really mean to be a Texas destination while being an approachable premium and being world-class and a sustainable business? God, wouldn't it be easier to just <laughs> change that menu a little bit, cut those cut costs, yeah. right? But no, it comes back to if we're going to do that, then why are we doing this? And I think that's an easy answer that Karen and I, whenever that question comes up, it's like, if we're going to do that, then why are we doing this? And then that momentum with that vision just keeps rolling. So. Yeah. And I would add, we touch on our mission, vision, and values and brand pillars in almost every team meeting that we have. Mm. And so we're always talking about it. Every team member that's hired, we talk through mission, vision, values, brand pillars, every major quarterly and annual meeting that we have with our leadership team, with our all hands, we talk about mission, vision, and values. And I don't think we, I get a whole lot of eye rolls out of it. You know, I think <laughs> it's like I'm up and I'm like, oh, like I am now, you know, all animated and excited about it. But 
Yeah, well, that's what gets them excited about yeah, it, I knowing hope. that you are truly dedicated yeah. and still mm-hmm. excited about those pillars that you put into place. And it's so much easier for them to check themselves if they see you checking yourself on no, it on a regular basis. Thank you for saying that. I hope that's the case. I'll go ahead and put it out there. Our mission, vision, and values is a frame. Like this is what drives the heart of what we do. And our mission is not to brew the finest beer in Texas or to have the warmest hospitality or to have the beautiful. It's not that. Our mission is to positively influence the way that people live their daily lives. And it is extraordinarily aspirational, but creating an aspirational bar like that allows the rest of all of those things that are really hard to define that we've talked about that are part of what Vista is, it pulls those along. If we're asking ourselves and telling ourselves what we're doing here is to positively influence the way that people live their daily lives, then of course, we're not going to let it just be this cost-cutting venture and these things. It's got to be all of those other things together. And it is through, and the vision is that through the connection of world-class brewery, top quality farm table cuisine, the beautiful natural land that we're on, the great local Texas music that's played there, all of those things together, people experience and then realize that they can access. We're not making it so complicated and so that you're just, yeah, of course we want you to come to Vista and have that experience, but it's like, okay, we're in the heyday of beer, craft beer in America, the quality of beer that exists as a consumer, don't accept okay beer ever in any circumstance. When you're at HEB, do not go, oh, that's good enough. Or when you're out at another place and you're ordering a beer, there is no such thing as okay beer anymore. It should be fantastic. Mm -hmm. And hopefully folks that come, they will have that fantastic experience and they'll go, that's now what I'm seeking. Hopefully it's Vista, but there's plenty of providers that are. The burger. The same applies to food in Austin. There are so many great restaurants in Austin. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And it's almost, we want our consumers, our our Austinites, our community, San Antonians to Wimberley all the way around to be spoiled, but to realize it, that this is really fine quality cuisine. And I'd say that that burger and pint special, well, the burger is made with 21 day dry aged beef from a ranch two miles down the road in Driftwood, where those cows have been raised on spent grain from Vista's beer, right? It is out of this world. And that's where we could certainly buy cheaper beef, but the story there and the sustainability of that and the quality of what you taste in there, you know, that's why we choose to serve that burger. And as a consumer, you can access that stuff. You go to the farmer's market. You know, mm-hmm. you can get that. You can put that on your own table. You can buy the highest quality beer that exists right in HEB and you can make that happen. And the musicians that play, they're just phenomenal talent. Music's been a really big part of my life, not in the rock and roll, whatever, like the. Ken plays classical <laughs> piano. Yeah, but I love music. And there are these amazing musicians that are playing. I'm no longer maybe I never was one of the cool kids that understood like what these names are and who they are, but they are. And when folks come and sit down and listen to the, like they may not have known who Deerfellow was before they came, but now they know what really it's amazing quality sound is. And it's just all around us in Austin. 
and like free shows. It's just like boggles the mind the amount of things that you have access to that are free, like culture that you have access to. And that's part of what I say, positively influencing the way people live their daily lives. You come and you see that, you experience it, then you know to seek it out. And that's, I think that's what guides us because that's where we got to where we are. And we experienced these things and we knew we liked it and then we realized what it was. And so we sought it out and we built it. So what advice would you have for someone who is driving to New Orleans in a rainstorm? (laughs) (laughs) Don't forget your number. (laughs) Thinking about starting their own business or, (laughs) or jumping into a big change in their life and wanting to go after something that they're passionate about. Or dreaming about. So much advice. And it's all worth what you pay for it. One of my mantras, and it sounds trite, but I believe, and in that situation where you got somewhat, you're considering your passion and what you're going to do with it, if you can do something, you should. And that can be taken, definitely don't tell that to a teenager. But as when you're in that place in your life and you're thinking about, all of the components of what would make, oh, this dream, well, there's a real practical, do I have the skills, network, and resources to to make that? And okay, yes. And then if I did this and it was resounding failure, what would my option be on the other side of that? And what does that look like? And you just kind of build that ledger of pro-con ledger. And if you can legitimately make it out, it's like, yes, the pro of this, of me doing this and of us as a family achieving this level of fulfillment together overcomes the strife and potential loss and struggle that you're going to have to go through it, then you should do it. And I will say that the strife and struggle and challenge, you will not appreciate what that is until you do it. It's hard It's mm-hmm. and it's every day. And I always say running your own business is like having kids. You can't really explain the love and hardship combination until you go through you're it. in it. <laughs> mm-hmm. But in the same way with your kids, there is no greater reward, fulfillment that happens. And again, it's hard to explain if you haven't lived through it. There's no greater satisfaction, like just positive self-being that you can get that from your family or realizing that vision through your vocation, through your business. And I think we make it sound like, oh, you've got to drop everything and go and be your passion. And yeah, and yeah that's kind of what we did. But well, people can do that in their everyday life. Yeah. You, know, you can. I would say to surround yourself with people that are in your industry that you want to be in. Before we started, we went to a lot of breweries. We talked to a lot of people. I would say get in there and ask them the questions about their daily mm-hmm. life. Ask them about their passion. Yeah. Got involved with some fine dining, like up and coming chefs and restaurants, like got into Learn as much as you can before you jump into it. And after, continue having mentors and talking to people. The beer industry is really good for that. People are very willing to help each other and we call it a co-opetition. We're not really competitive. We help each other when we need to share ideas and resources. That's beautiful. Is there anything else that you want to share? I mean, we talked about some events, but there's always something Mm -hmm. going on at Vista. What days you close? That's really important. We're open Wednesday through Sunday. So close Monday, Tuesday, but we have... Unless you have a private event. 
the space exists for people to have experiences. And so we have companies and families that do special events every day of the week. You have the whole place to yourself on Monday and Tuesday, depending on what it is. You might have it on Wednesday or Thursday and we're closed to the public. But if you're just going out to have an experience with your friends, that's Wednesday night and then on the weekends, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then on the weekend. One of the biggest parts of my role is to create our programming calendar. So we always have something going on, live music every Friday and Sunday. We have a really awesome brunch. We do a lot of things like classes and activations where outside vendors will come in and do something fun. We're showing movies now outdoors. We're showing Home Alone on Saturday, but we are always doing something. And a lot of our programming is connected to either groups or things that we are passionate about. And one thing I was really proud of that that happened, and it's just amazing that I want more and more people to go and experience is we had a screening for Finn and Fur, they're deep in the heart, the documentary on well, wildlife conservation and land conservation in the state of Texas. And it's narrated by Matthew McConaughey. It's really amazing, like National Geographic level documentary. And these guys are just incredible. But then to have panel discussion with the Hill Country Conservancy, their producers, and to talk about like not just how do you make this beautiful epic film, but what does it mean? And then now us as a community, what can we do to be a part of that mission? So in our programming, to be able to show something like that, engage with our guests in that way, and then inspire them. Most of them you inspire in like a small way. It just becomes awareness. And then you make choices that are different in your life that help move it in that direction. There might be a couple that are completely evangelized and become we're going to go out and we're going to save some ocelots. You know, <laughs> That's a little wild cat for those of you that don't know that I didn't know that exists in South Texas. But anyways, we just did that screening and it was really just like gives me chills even just thinking about it. But a lot of our programming will come back to that. A lot of it's fun and you, know, you go market and music and yeah, home alone, but it connects to these community organizations that are meaningful for us. And I think in our, you know, I said that about strategic marketing, but right now there's just overwhelming amount of stuff to do. Like if you get out and you get on do 512 or whatever, the calendar is insane. And so I hope that folks will start getting really selective with their choices on not just, I'm going to go and have an escape and just have something overwhelm my senses for a couple hours, but it's actually something that makes me better. And that's what we strive to have as much of the time as we can is programming and experiences that help people experience better things. And even when there's no programming at all, it's still to me one of the most amazing places to be. So <laughs> thank you for creating it. Steph, you're awesome. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is. It is a wonderful space and it's a gem in Texas, not just the Hill Country. So y'all have done a fantastic job. For all of you guys who are listening who haven't been there, Take the day trip or come and find a way to take the journey over to Vista Brewing because it is worth it. Thank you so much. And I would say also we have a tasting room in San Antonio now. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And we talked so much. <laughs> like There's still like an hour's worth of conversation that we the can layers talk of about. The layers of the onion. <laughs> <laughs> there's so much more I wanted to talk about too, but we'll uh, have to have a part two. Uh, <laughs> By then so much will probably change as well. <laughs> 
But thank you guys so much for joining me and telling us about your story. And if you guys want to hear more, go out to Vista. These people are here, there all the time. You can get the fort tour from the kids. (laughs) I gave a tour of the apiary the other day to a group. Yeah. And that's the other thing. You can go walk the land and, you know, Mm -hmm. it's not just a brewery. It is definitely you can go see the garden and walk amongst all those oak trees. It is really a beautiful place. Oh, good job. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you for having us. Thank you. And thank you for listening. If you liked it, tell your friends. Follow us on Instagram and LinkedIn. The mission of MVP Business is to dig deep into the lives of true leaders so that others can follow, knowing that the path isn't always easy, but the journey is worth it. So enjoy the day and live with passion.